0: Oh my goodness, good morning, good afternoon, whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day, my name is Zach Schaumler, this is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 321, Happy New Year, it is Friday, January 1st, it is 8.54 in the morning, and I hope you had a great night with your family last night, or whoever you spent your night with, maybe you're by yourself, Uh, that sounds like a lovely night to me, I like being home, alone, having a very quiet night, Uh, Happy New Year. Welcome to 2021. I'm very excited for this year. I'm excited for, I think sports are going to be amazing this year. I'm excited for uh, the show, the, the YouTube channel, the podcast. I think Strong Men in Sports is going to have a great year uh, between you and me. I'm planning on getting engaged this year, so that'll be pretty cool. I don't tell my girlfriend she'll watch. I don't care. She knows, uh, but I'm excited. It's going to be an amazing, I, I ho- I, I'm very hopeful that after 2020, we'll have a great year. Uh, today, we're going to talk about college football. We're going to talk about NFL Week 17. The last week of the NFL regular season is here. I'm going to share some predictions and kind of do a preview of the weekend. We'll do some Ask Zach questions at the end of the show, really kind of sprinkled throughout the show, actually. Um, you know, on, on Patreon, I asked the peeps over there, I said, hey, what were the biggest surprises of the 2020 NFL season? Or what were the most unexpected things that happened? You got a lot of feedback there. We'll have a great conversation about that. But I want to start today's episode with an analogy or with a a metaphor, whatever the right word is. I'm I'm an idiot. I do my best. Um, Imagine you're driving your car down the road. You're going 65 miles an hour. But imagine that the only way you could check your speedometer, check the speed of the car, how fast the car is moving. Imagine you had to type in a password just to access the speed limit. And then imagine that in order to check how much gas you had, you had to use another program, type in another password and go, hmm. Is my car at empty? Is my car at half full? Is my car got a three quarters of a tank? Oh, and by the way, you're not going to get that information for 90 days because the, <laughs> that's not how the, the, the old program and the old software works because it's a lot of nonsense. Oh, and then by the way, your car is running kind of funny. You want to check your engine temperature. Maybe it's overheating. And in order to do that, you have to type in another password on another program and wait a certain random amount of time in order to get that information. It sounds like a bunch of nonsense, doesn't it? It sounds terrible. And you wouldn't drive your car that way, so why would you run your business that way? I am very proud to announce that this episode is sponsored by NetSuite by Oracle. And uh, I want to start with a very honest statement, which is to say that this product is not for everybody. It's not for small businesses, really. It's not for startups. Uh, you know, for example, my company, Strong Opinion Sports... We can't afford this product. Like if we're too small of a company, we make a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of enough revenue. And, and I say we, meaning it's me and my dad who I hired. My dad is my administrative assistant. Like I don't make enough money to use this product. I, I have too small amount of revenue. But if you are a CEO and your company brings in a million dollars in annual revenue or more, maybe hundreds of millions of dollars, you're a CEO or, hey, potentially you're an, a, an accountant working for a company that brings in that much revenue and you hate the systems and the programs you use. So what NetSuite does is take, you know, it helps you take advantage of all their capabilities if you are a CEO. And I I know that some CEOs listen to this show. I know that even some people who are owners of major sports teams listen to this show. And this product is for you. Here is what NetSuite will help you do. It will help you more effectively manage your business by putting everything all in one place, all in one dashboard. The same way you drive your car and all the information you need is there immediately right in front of you. That's what NetSuite can do. You don't need to wait an arbitrary amount of time to get information and you don't need to log into multiple random programs and no more spreadsheets to figure out what that is. So once your company matures to a level and a a size big enough, or if you are hungry to grow your business even bigger. You can use NetSuite because if you're using QuickBooks and you're tired of QuickBooks because QuickBooks has limitations and you really don't want to pay for multiple systems and they're not going to – those systems, those old outdated programs are not going to give you the information you need instantaneously. You have to wait 90 days or a random arbitrary amount of time. Then you can walk away from the old programs and upgrade to NetSuite. NetSuite will help you run your business more effectively. If you upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle, you can manage everything all in one place. Finances, e-commerce, inventory, supply chain, HR. And again, you don't need to wait an arbitrary amount of time, 90 days in some instances, to get information on your own company because that sounds stupid. Again, you're driving down the road. You would never wait 90 days to figure out how fast your car is moving because that's just stupid. Don't run your business, uh, sorry, excuse me. You wouldn't drive your car that way. You shouldn't run your business that way. And again, all the information you need is there instantaneously. NetSuite wants me to tell you that they have over 24,000 companies using their service. I'll be honest, if you're a CEO or if you are a part of a big company, you know what NetSuite is. I don't need to tell you. And it's pretty clear that they are the best way to manage your company. I'm just a person reminding you, hey, idiot, switch. Go to NetSuite. They're better. They're way better than what you're doing right now. Uh, Now, I do want to say one more thing. In case you're still not sure, you can go to NetSuite.com. They will prove it for you. Go to NetSuite.com slash opinion, and you can get a free product tour. They will prove to you why their product is better than what you're currently using. No more spreadsheets. No more multiple outdated programs. Let NetSuite show you how they will benefit your business with a free product tour. You can schedule it today. Go to netsuite.com slash opinion. Schedule your free product tour at netsuite.com slash opinion. Man, I'm excited. Uh, I, I really like them. Look, I, I'm out of my depth there. Like I, I did a lot of research, talked to a lot of people, talked to the people at that company, learned a lot. And I was like, yeah, it's pretty obvious. These are the best people available doing this. And uh, everybody I talked to in the business sector was like, yeah, and Netsuite's the best thing available. Now, I want to give a shout-out to my personal favorite bowl game this year. It was Liberty versus Coastal Carolina. Liberty won in overtime. Uh, they blocked a field goal to win the game in overtime. It was pretty crazy. It is even more insane because at the end of regulation, they had an instance where they were on the goal line, and they had a strategy where they're going to run out the clock and play for the field goal. So they had an opportunity to score a touchdown. Running back's on the goal line, and instead of scoring, he tried to, like, literally pull the ball away from the goal line, got knocked out of his hand. He fumbled. So, basically, Liberty having an opportunity to win the game at the end of regulation, and they fumbled. They squandered it. So, it was fun because they still ended up winning in overtime. They blocked a, a Coastal Carolina field goal. They won 37-34. Fun game. Loved it. I really like watching Malik Willis, the quarterback for Liberty. He is going to be an NFL quarterback at some point. I really enjoyed watching him. I've enjoyed watching him all year. And at some point, I really want to dive in and watch every single game Liberty's played this year. Uh, I I just, I I think I owe them that to make a topic about them. And I got a lot of feedback about them. I only watched three or four of their games this year. They went, they finished 10 and one. Their only loss was to NC State. They lost 15 to 14 to a power five school in the ACC. So Liberty's legit. I was like, wow, that's impressive. Uh, Now, Coastal Carolina finished 11 and one. And a lot of people were pretty mad at the end of the season when their regular season came to an end. They were 11-0. People were frustrated that an undefeated Coastal Carolina team did not make it into the college football playoff. They're like, ah, oh, you left out Coastal. Well, they lost to Liberty. And I think by losing to Liberty, it's pretty clear, yeah, they did not belong in the college football playoff conversation. They never should have been there. Uh, they, they wouldn't have beaten Alabama. They would have gotten creamed by Alabama, probably the same way that Notre Dame is going to get crushed by Alabama. But I rest my case. If you can't beat Liberty and compete with Liberty, you competed with Liberty. You couldn't beat Liberty. How could anybody expect you to compete with or beat Alabama? And I maintain that these group of five schools, Tulsa, Coastal Carolina, Ball State, San Jose, had a great bowl game the other day. Uh, Great's a relative word, but Ball State surprisingly beat San Jose State. Uh, Liberty's in the conversation. These smaller level schools, I very much want to see them break away do their own thing, have an eight-team college football playoff. If you're like Cincinnati got a great bowl game, they're playing Georgia today. Yeah. Hey, if, if Cincinnati, they're not obligated to be in the the group of five college football playoff. They can opt for a better game if they're given it. But if you're Tulsa, if you're Liberty, like I would love to see all these teams compete with each other for a group of five national championship. Uh, I think it'd be really cool. I want to see that. And I, I will continue to lobby for that. These smaller schools that have no real opportunity of getting into the college football playoff, they should do their own thing, have their own championship. Because let's be honest, the, the, the college football playoff committee is just never going to let Liberty or Coastal Carolina into the college football playoff, no matter what they do, no matter how great their regular season is. Okay, I want to talk about Oklahoma and Florida. Oklahoma beat Florida in a bowl game the other day, 55 to 20. Oh, and it was so disappointing. I I really, really, really was looking forward to this game. It was number six, Oklahoma, against number seven, Florida. And uh, Florida had nine starters before the game opt out because they're going to the NFL and they don't want to play in the bowl game. And between opt outs and COVID, all four of Florida's top four receivers did not play in this game. You know, you had Kyle Pitts, Kadarius Coney, Trayvon Grimes all opt out. They're going to the NFL. Uh, Jacob Copeland has COVID. And the Florida quarterback, Kyle Trask, threw 43 touchdowns this year. Those four guys combined for 34 touchdown catches. So basically, the entire receiving core for Florida didn't play. A couple of starters on defense didn't play. And without his top receivers, Kyle Trask really, really struggled. Uh, he, he fought valiantly. I, it's kind of a weird situation because your quarterback can't opt out of the game. It's a bad look for a quarterback to do that. But he, Kyle Trask was not in a position to do well. He really was set up to fail. He had three interceptions. One of them was a pick six. It was awful. It was not fun to watch. And uh, I want to go to Patreon real quick and read what Patrick wrote in about this game. Patrick writes in. He says, hi, Zach. Not a question, but rather a little bit of a rant today. I woke up at 2 a.m. this night to watch the OU Florida game. I think he lives in Europe, so that makes sense to me. 2 a.m. would be a normal time you know, to watch a game here. That doesn't make any sense, but you understand that Europe has a different you know, uh, time of day than we do here in America. <laughs> so he woke up to watch a game at 2 a.m., only to fall asleep and go back to sleep by halftime because the game was over. Patrick says, I was really pissed off because Florida clearly didn't care about the game. I know they were missing some starters, but losing by 40 or whatever it was in the end is inexcusable. What happened to next up, man? I'm not really a fan of either team. I just wanted to see a good competitive football game, and man, was I so disappointed. Why do you even play the game if you don't care? Also, it's really embarrassing to say stuff like, they can't compete with us, they're not an SEC team, they're not the Gators, and then lose by a lot. My only positive takeaway from this game was that, oh, OU looked really good, and I can't wait to see Spencer Rattler next year. He improved so much over the year, and I'm curious what you have to say about his game in the next SOS episode. I hope the college football playoff is going to be more interesting than this game. Greetings from Patrick. So first of all, you touched on something I really like, Spencer Rattler. Uh, Spencer Rattler is an incredibly talented quarterback at Oklahoma. He's, he's undersized, a little bit short, but oh my goodness, he's probably got the best arm And all of college football can literally throw the ball a million miles around everywhere, make every single throw from every kind of arm angle. Uh, Kind of the Jordan Love, Justin Herbert, you know, Patrick Mahomes. And and that's all very loose, very silly comparisons. But that type of arm talent where you go, oh, wow, that looks different. And so we watched him grow as a decision maker this year, really kind of struggled early on. He's a young sophomore and he had some growing pains. But By the end of the year, I went, okay, dude. Spencer Rattler is balling out, playing fantastic football. He had a great touchdown down the right sideline. For some reason, the broadcaster goes, and he makes an easy throw. My like, that's not an easy throw. Dude, that is a dime to a really small window over the shoulder for a touchdown. Uh, and Spencer Rattler makes a lot of plays that I go, that's just phenomenal. And he makes it look easy when it's really not easy at all. Now, I was sad that with Florida and Oklahoma, we really didn't get to see the 2020 Gators played all. I mean, they had so many players opt out that I think even Dan Mullen, their head coach, said that the last game that the 2020 Florida Gators football team played was in the SEC championship game against Alabama, because that's the last time they were really assembled as a full entire team. This was a shell of that team. and It was frustrating. Not fun to watch. And uh, the game kind of reminded me of when Texas played Georgia two years ago, where Texas came out and stomped Georgia. Georgia looked flat. They looked disengaged. They wanted to win a national championship game. They didn't make it into the playoff because they lost Alabama. And uh, I, I really think that a big takeaway from this year in college football is that I want to see the college football postseason reevaluated, maybe hopefully changed to some degree. Uh, because especially during COVID, watching guys play bowl games, and we're seeing so many get canceled, and it's just – it's unreliable. It's weird. It's a mess. And there are people out there that love bowl games. Uh, I think – let's be honest. If I was playing college football, I would not go to the NFL. I'm a short guy who would – if I ever got on a field in a Division One football game, I'd be lucky. I was not very talented. I had a small arm. I made good decisions. I tried to be a good leader, but I – like I was never very talented. So I would be the kind of guy probably who's like a fifth-year redshirt senior who barely gets into the game – and I'm like, oh, sick, a bowl game like a cheese it Bowl. Let's go. I mean, there are people out there who this is the game of their life. It's the last college football game they'll ever play. They're fired up. There are college football fans who love it. A lot of people love bowl games. I do not. I, I look at college football from an NFL perspective. And I watched Miami's quarterback, Derek King, tear his ACL in the Cheese it Bowl. And if you're going to tear your ACL in any bowl game, you really got to do it in the Cheese it Bowl. I mean, that's like a... The, the marketing for the Cheez-It Bowl and then the stakes of that game to Terry your ACL, that's horrible. Like, your chances at the at the NFL are really hampered now because of a horrific injury you got at the end of your career. And it's not even like the Armed Forces Bowl or the Rose Bowl or the, I mean, uh, uh, college football playoff game. No, it's the Cheez-It Bowl. Uh, it's sad, and I feel bad for Derek King. And I, I want to be clear that, and, and this is true of the players I've talked to as well, Many, not all of them. There are some players out there, a lot of quarterbacks especially, really like bowl games because they just want to play football. Uh, But guys who are really, they get hit a lot, running backs, people who are always kind of at risk of getting hurt. Players who are headed to the NFL do not want to play in bowl games. They hate bowl games. They're like, I don't, look, this is, I'm risking my body so that my college can make more money when I, like, if you are, for example, Kyle Pitts, who is the, the number one tight end in the 2021 NFL draft. He's going to be amazing. He had an incredible year for Florida. He doesn't owe Florida anything. He doesn't need to play in the bowl game. He shouldn't play in the bowl game. I'm glad he opted out because why risk getting hurt? There's no reason for that. You have to take care of yourself and you've already proven you can play. You've already proven you're all in on your team. You fought really hard in the SEC championship game. And I just don't understand why people are mad at anybody who opts out of a bowl game. Players who opt out that are headed to the NFL are completely justified, in my opinion. You, you've done your thing. You fought hard for your team. You didn't make it into the college football playoff. You're not really fighting for anything other than stupid bragging rights for what, the Cheez-It Bowl? Come on, man. Like That's that's not worth losing millions and millions of dollars tearing your ACL for. And so this is why I would like to see the college football playoff expanded, allowing more teams to fight for national championship. And you can argue they had, whole, had a whole year to do that. But if you're going to have – Any kind of game after the regular season is over. In theory, the entire regular season, you're fighting for a national championship. Every game matters because every game keeps you in the running to compete for a national championship. Once you realize you're not in the running for a national championship, what are you playing for? Most players, at least the ones going to the NFL, are like, this is nonsense and meaningless and not important to me. And so... By bringing in more teams, like an eight-team college football playoff and having more teams after the regular season is over, in the postseason competing for a national championship, you literally have more meaningful games and you would have more NFL-bound players playing in bowl games. Because I'll tell you, how many Notre Dame or Clemson or Ohio State or Alabama players have opted out of the college football playoff? Have any? I'm not tracking that. I don't think any. Because nobody would do that. You want to win a national championship. You're on a mission. You're fighting hard for the goal you started from week one, really from the minute you stepped on campus, all the way from all summer workouts and winter workouts and getting up at five in the morning, go to weights and eating healthy and doing all this nonsense and all this hard work. Nonsense is the wrong word. there but All this hard work. You fought incredibly hard to put yourself in a position to win a national championship. You're not going to opt out of a college football playoff game. No way. But the Cheese it Bowl? or and I'm sorry to pick on the bowl, name, insert any other bowl game for most players who are headed to the NFL, a bowl game is a really a nonsensical risk where you are putting yourself at risk to get injured and hurting your chances at the NFL for very little pay for, for really nothing in return. It's stupid. And so while there are people who love bowl games from an NFL perspective, bowl games are meaningless, and for players headed to the NFL, they don't want to play in bowl games. I'm arguing, please, allow more teams into the college football playoff, an eight-team, a 16-team playoff, so that you have more and literally a larger amount of meaningful football games, which would really incentivize players to play in bowl games that currently they're not playing in. And as a result, we're getting games like Oklahoma-Florida, where Oklahoma beats Florida 55-20. to 20. It's not interesting. It's not fun. It's not good football. And everybody seems to lose in that situation. Florida fans weren't happy. I guess Oklahoma fans were happy they won a bowl game. But I don't think the people that ran the bowl game were happy because they didn't get a good competitive game. And so nobody really wins other than the team that wins that bowl game. And I, I just I would argue, please, please, please let's have fewer meaningless bowl games and let's have more meaningful games where teams are fighting for an opportunity to go play for a college football national championship. All right, guys, I'm going to take a short break. When I return uh, up next, we're going to do NFL week 17 predictions. And then later down the road, we'll do ask Zach. And we will talk about the most surprising things or the most unexpected things that happened in the 2020 NFL season. All right, we are back. Hope you're doing very, very well. I, I got to say, I hope the NetSuite ad went well. I know it's probably not. Oh, first of all, I know it's clearly not for everybody who listens to the show. Uh, but I do put a lot of work into my ad reads and a lot of work into my sponsorships. And I look, you got to pay the bills. And they're a great company, legitimately, who I really like working with behind the scenes. And I don't really work with any bad companies. And so um, I just I, I know that was a out of the like a left field uh, sponsorship. People are like, what's that? I know that if you're in your 20s and you're not you're in college or you're working, <laughs> you know, at Safeway, you're like, I don't. That's not at all for me. And I, clearly that's not. But there is a small market for it. And uh, I really like working with them. They're a good company. It believes in me, and I, uh, I appreciate anybody who uh, had the patience for that ad. And I, I really like their company. I want to jump in. We have reached the end of the NFL regular season. Week 17 is here, and it's a very important week. Some teams are fighting for playoff seeding, trying to get the number one seed in the NFC or the, you know, the four seed or whatever. And some teams are simply fighting hard to try to get into the playoffs at all. Now. What I want to do in this segment is kind of half predictions, half just a preview, because I am very, very excited for this weekend. I think it's going to be probably the best weekend of football we've had all year so far. And I am not a fortune teller. I I really, there are some games I'm like, I simply don't know. Uh, Giants, Cowboys. I really don't know who's going to win. I have no idea. I don't even feel comfortable making a prediction. So what I'm going to do is go through whatever games I can, make a prediction. uh, And then for the most part, I just can't wait to see what happens. And I want to share my joy and my love of football in this segment with you guys, we'll start with the Dolphins at the Bills. This is a huge game in the NFL. I am so so excited. Uh playoffs are on the line here. The Dolphins are 10 and 5. The Bills are 12 and 3. And the Bills in my opinion are a better team. The Dolphins have to play their best in order to make it into the playoffs and right now there are five teams in the AFC playoff picture that are 10 and 5. And only four of those five teams are going to make it into the playoffs. So Uh, the Dolphins have really the toughest road into the playoffs. They got to beat Buffalo on the road in Buffalo. Either that or, you know, all of basically all the 10 and five teams have to lose their game uh, in an upset fashion to a team that's not very good. So uh, really the best way for the playoffs right now to get in, the Dolphins have to beat the Bills on the road. And another interesting wrinkle in this game is that Ryan Fitzpatrick, they're they're kind of backup the slash starting quarterback uh, tested positive for COVID. So last week, when the Dolphins needed help, Ryan Fitzpatrick came off the bench in the fourth quarter, led them to victory against the Raiders. And that's not going to be able to happen this week against Buffalo. If, if Tua's struggling or Tua's not cutting it, they don't have another option. So basically what I'm saying is this game is all on the Dolphins' rookie starting quarterback Tua Tungvaloa, which is, from a storytelling perspective, incredible. Like, what's going to happen? I don't know. And a lot of people have been very critical of the Dolphins for drafting Tua, saying they should have drafted Justin Herbert. Uh, I'm not one of those people. You know, I would not have drafted Justin over Tua. I had no idea Justin was going to be as good as he is. So I'd be a hypocrite to say that I'm one of those people. I'm not. Uh, But the pressure's on, man. And I think it really, really helps Tua if he makes it into the playoffs. Now, some people are saying that whether Tua has to get into the playoffs in order to avoid getting replaced, I think it'd be kind of weird. Like, does getting into the playoffs really have to do with how well he's playing? Like, he has to play well, but getting into the playoffs or not isn't necessarily the only factor in... Whether or not to it, like Tua could have a great game and not make it into the playoffs, then I'd say, well, I I think it's a silly criticism. Now, I want to be clear, I only own one NFL jersey, one. I, I'm not a jersey person. I don't really do that. Uh, but there's one player in the NFL I felt the desire to go support and to wear their name on the back of my my you know my shoulders and to support buying their jersey. I own a Tua Tungovaloa jersey. I'm, I'm very excited. I love, Tua's my favorite player in the NFL. Like, I, I got a lot of players I love. I love Tom Brady. I love Gardner Minshew. But Tua, because of the Hawaii ties, and and I'm not from Hawaii, but I have a deep, I love Hawaii. It's like my favorite place in the world. And I love, his family's amazing, and I've heard great things, and I know people that know Tua. And everything I've heard about Tua makes him, I just, he's endeared himself to me. I really love Tua. And so, I am rooting for Miami. I'm not ashamed to say it. I want to see Miami get into the playoffs. However, even though I'm rooting for Miami... I believe Buffalo is going to win this game. And and maybe that is because I am trying to guard my heart and avoid disappointment. I really can't tell. I do think Buffalo is a better team. Just all they got a great quarterback, a great defense. They do a lot of stuff very, very well. They're, they have a better record, clearly. And the Bills are already in the playoffs. So I don't really—if the Bills lose this game, they've won their division. They made the playoffs. I don't really feel bad for Buffalo at all. However, I, I would love to see Miami. Brian Flores, this young guy, this young coach, a second-year coach— Turning around the Dolphins franchise, I want to see the Dolphins with Tua Tagovailoa, my favorite player in the NFL, make the playoffs. I don't know if they're going to do it. I don't think they can pull it off. I'm not hope. I'm not. I'm hopeful. I don't really believe in them. I I, I really believe I'm going to get disappointed and the Dolphins are going to lose on Sunday. It's a 10 a.m. game uh, if you're on the West Coast. It's in the early morning slot uh, in the NFL on Sunday. I think Buffalo wins this game, uh, but I also can't really lose either. You know, my prediction is right and the Bills win. Or my prediction is wrong, and I'm very, very happy because Miami wins. So I think Buffalo wins this game. I'm predicting them to win, but I, I got to say, I am rooting heavily for Miami. And it's not a side against Buffalo. I love Buffalo. I like what they're doing. I think it's really, really cool. But they're already in the playoffs. How about you share the love and spread the wealth a little bit? I want to see Miami get into the playoffs. That's an amazing story. I want to see that happen. Now, Titans and Texans. This is a very easy one. The Titans are going to win this game, they're going to get into the playoffs. Uh, Houston is awful. They're an awful football team. They have a terrible offensive line. They are the worst defense. They can't run the ball at all. Their receivers are disappointing. Uh, I do like their quarterback, Deshaun Watson, but it's really just a testament to how he's been amazing despite the awful mess around him in Houston. I would be absolutely shocked if the Houston Texans won this game on Sunday. Jaguars, Colts. The Colts are 10-5. The Jaguars are 1-14. and 14. The Colts are fighting hard to get into the playoffs, they need to win here. They're a good team. Very similar to Houston. I'd be shocked if the Jaguars beat the Colts on Sunday. Uh now I will say the Jaguars do have nothing to lose. They they've already clinched the number 1 overall pick in the NFL draft. So they're they really are they're free to play with reckless abandon. And that makes me nervous because I I just I, I don't Philip Rivers makes me very nervous anyway. I think he plays very emotionally. He makes a lot of mistakes. I think that the Jaguars have a little bit more talent than anybody really gives them credit for. They've made very strategic moves, I believe, to kind of engineer losing games. Uh, I, I shouldn't say that. It makes people angry and controversial. But I like Mike Glennon, you're going to play Mike Glennon multiple weeks in a row. It, seemed, it doesn't make sense to me. So because the Jaguars had nothing to lose, they could say, screw it. Let's ruin a division rival, the Colts, season. Kick him out of the playoffs. They might win this game. And I just would keep your eye on that game. The, the Colts should win, but the Jaguars, because of their—they got nothing to lose. That makes me very, very nervous. A team with reckless abandon, that could be dangerous. Now, the Ravens and the Bengals, the Ravens should win this game. Uh, they're 10-5. and five. They're fighting for the playoffs. The Bengals have won two games in a row, though. But even if the Bengals play well and it's the closest competitive game, my belief is Lamar Jackson's going to say, hey, I am—last year's NFL MVP— I have the ability to put the team on my back. I'm going to make play after play after play. If it's a close game, Lamar Jackson will take over the game and be the hero if needed. There is no way Lamar Jackson is losing this game and not getting into the playoffs on Sunday. Now, Brown Steelers. The Steelers are already in the playoffs. Kind of weird. They're resting their starters. However, even though Cleveland is 10-5 and five and they need to win in order to get into the playoffs, the Browns have a ton of players out of this game due to covid and I'm picking the Browns to win a close game. They still have Baker Mayfield, uh, but they're missing a lot of starters everywhere. They're like a, they're a gutted team right now due to COVID. And at the end of the day, I, I think it comes down to who's got more incentive to win. The Steelers do not have a reason to fight hard in this game. They have a reason really to protect their bodies and stay safe and, you know, prepare for the playoffs. They're not going to get a bye week. They, they have to play next week. And I think the Steelers mentally are more focused on next week. However, uh, because of the Browns missing so many players due to COVID. This is a dangerous game. The Browns should win. I hope they win. I want to see the Browns make the playoffs. It's kind of crazy like to see the Browns, a team I have my entire lifetime. They've been horrible. I would love to see them make the playoffs, but I they're at risk because of COVID right now. And uh, keep your eye on this Browns-Steelers game. It could go either way. Uh, the Steelers are playing Mason Rudolph at quarterback. Remember, he got in trouble last year. In trouble, uh, there was a brawl last time Mason Rudolph played the Browns. And uh, keep your eye on that. On Sunday. Now in the AFC playoff picture, you have five teams that are 10-5. and five. You have the Titans, the Colts, the Browns, the Ravens, and the Miami Dolphins. Only four of those five teams are going to get into the playoffs. And I believe Miami is honestly going to be the odd man out because the Titans, the Colts, the Browns, and the Ravens play w- much weaker teams that have losing records and are not very good other than, of course, the Browns play the Steelers, but the Steelers are already in. They're pressing their starters. And so... I believe Miami's the odd man out here. I think Miami's going to miss out on the playoffs, unfortunately. Uh, now, I'm rooting. I, I, I don't want that to happen. I, I want to see Miami get in. But I will say it does feel like an upset is in the air. And I, I, I really, I can't tell you which game to expect to be the crazy surprise upset. But it does feel like somebody's going to lose a game they shouldn't lose. Whether it's the Browns or the Ravens or Tennessee or the Colts, maybe to the Jacksonville Jaguars. I just cannot wait to see what team of these five, which one does not get into the playoffs come the end of Sunday when football is all said and done and the dust comes to a settle. And I can't wait to talk about it on Monday. I'm so excited for this week in the NFL. It's going to be amazing. Uh, Packers at Bears is another huge game in the NFL. If the Bears win, they're in the playoffs. And if the Packers win, they secure the number one seed. They get a bye week and home field advantage in the playoffs. That's a huge thing you want to win. So the Packers are fighting hard to win this game and the Bears need to win. They cannot afford to go 8 and 8 and miss the playoffs. They have to go 9 and 7 to get in. And now interestingly, the Packers left tackle David Bakhtiari just tore his ACL. He's out for the year. Uh it's a big loss. However, I am hopeful because the Packers can survive it. They've won games without him earlier this year and I I I just I still the Packers are still the Packers, right? They still got They lose one key player. It's unfortunate, but they can shuffle around on the offensive line and be okay, in my opinion. So we'll see. It'll be a good test against the Bears' defense on Sunday. Now, the story of this game, Bears hosting the Packers at Soldier Field in Chicago, is the Bears' quarterback, Mitchell Trubisky. How does Mitchell Trubisky play? It's the biggest game of his entire life. He's fighting for his career to continue staying the franchise quarterback in Chicago Uh, The Bears have won games with him as their starting quarterback this year. They have a winning record with him as their quarterback. However, Mitchell Trubisky has beat up on bad football teams with losing records. And I want to see how he does against a really good Green Bay Packers team, a good defense. Can he play well in a huge moment, in a must-win game against arguably the best team in the NFC? We will find out. We're going to learn a lot. This is the most... we're going to learn the most we've ever learned about Mitchell Trubisky in this game, how he plays and how he does against a really good Packers team at home in a must win situation. I'm picking green Bay to win. I'm not sure that Mitchell Trubisky is up to the task to do what he needs to do to win this game. uh, But I have an open mind. I'm willing to allow Trubisky to change my mind about him. We will learn a lot on Sunday. Bears hosting the Packers. Falcons at Buccaneers. I'm picking the Buccaneers to win this game. Not very controversial, uh, the Buccaneers are getting very, very hot as the year comes to an end. Now, the Falcons are a good team. They played good football recently. I like Raheem Morris, their interim head coach. Uh, and however, the Buccaneers want to win because the Buccaneers, if they win, they would guarantee the number five seed in the NFC playoff picture. And they would then play the NFC East winner in the wild card round of the playoffs, meaning they'd play the Giants or the Cowboys or Washington. That's an easier opponent than Oh, what Seattle like you don't you don't want to play Seattle you would much rather or, or even the Saints you would much rather play you know the Cowboys or Washington or the Giants than clearly you know an 11 and four Seattle or an 11 and four Saints team so uh keep your eye on the Buccaneers game they want to win they're they're hungry and they're playing great football as the year comes to an end and I, I want to say this I, I was going to talk about it later too Of all the wild card teams in the NFL the Buccaneers are the team that could do the most damage and really potentially win a Super Bowl. They're gaining a lot of steam. They're playing easier teams. They're building momentum. They got a crazy amount of weapons on offense. They got a hall of fame quarterback. They have really good players on defense that when the Buccaneers play their best football, they're amazing. They dominated the Packers earlier this year. The Buccaneers are capable of incredible football on their best day. And if they can make a run four games in a row, then man, I I am telling you the Buccaneers are a team to watch out for uh, as the year comes to an end. I guess, is it five? So Wild card, divisional, and then uh, conference. So the the Buccaneers, in theory, have five games left this year. Can they win five games in a row and win a Super Bowl? I I think they could. Of any wild card team, the Buccaneers are the team that could win the Super Bowl. Now let's talk about the NFC East. Washington leads the division right now. They are 6-9. and Now the Cowboys are also 6-9. and They're second in the NFC East. But the reason why Washington is ahead of Dallas is because Washington beat Dallas twice this year. So if they finish with the same record, then Washington, by default, wins the division. Now, the Giants are 5-10, and 10, and one of these three teams is going to make it into the playoffs via the route of winning the NFC East. So Washington this week plays at the Eagles, and I am picking Washington to win this game. Alex Smith, the Washington football team quarterback, has been out with an injury recently, and there's just no way Alex Smith, who's been on the cusp of playing, you know, recently he probably could have played last week if he really needed to. Uh there is no chance Alex Smith does not play in this game. He's not going to skip a game with the playoffs on the line. He's going to play. Uh I it's going to be a fun game because the Eagles quarterback is a rookie quarterback Jalen Hurts. He's really really good, played very good football down the stretch. Uh you know, you, people look at his stat line from last week and not really understand that it doesn't fully represent his game. He had some late interceptions forcing it, trying to make mount a comeback. But he played some really good football last week, actually. And uh, now Washington is a better team. They have a very good, I think, underrated defense. Washington should win this game. But Jalen Hurts could make it very, very interesting. Keep your eye on that game. But Washington, especially if Alex Smith is playing, should win this game on Sunday. And as a result, by the way, win the NFC East, make the playoffs. Now, the Cowboys and Giants, if Washington wins, then it really does not matter who Wins the Cowboys Giants game because both of them would be eliminated anyway. But if Washington loses, then this game is incredibly important because it will decide the NFC East and who gets the playoff, uh, gets into the playoffs via winning that division. And it's going to be a bloodbath in the NFC East. So Cowboys and Giants, I have no prediction. I simply, I have no idea. Uh, I'm not a shaman. I'm not a you know. I'm not a tarot card reader. I don't predict the future. Um, but and also, I don't want to just guess. I don't want to be like, wow, I'm going to pick the Giants because. And then I have no reason. Like, I don't have a reason to pick either team. Uh, you know, the Cowboys played very good football last week against Philadelphia. And Dalton looked good. They had, the offense looked in sync. Uh, but the Giants' defense is also very solid and has made some good plays all year. Uh, so I'm just very curious how, really, at the end of the day, how does the Giants' quarterback, Daniel Jones, play? He's the wild card in this game. Can Daniel Jones play well enough to beat the Cowboys in a must-win game and potentially get his team into the playoffs? I don't think so, but we'll find out. Either way, it's an amazing must-win game for both teams, and I cannot wait to watch the Cowboys and the Giants. I, I think if – I'll keep my eye. I'll be tracking Washington, but probably actually watching the Giants-Cowboys game. I just, I'm just i so excited and so fascinated for this weekend. Now, Saints and Panthers. The Saints are a better team. I'm curious, though, if Carolina can pull off the upset. Uh, now, the Saints need to win in order to have an opportunity or a chance or a shot at the number one seed in the NFC. member. that's a good incentive because if you – Get the number one seed in the NFC, you have a bye week, and you have home field advantage in the playoffs. So the Saints, I get that they're fighting really hard for that kind of incentive. They want the bye week. They want the home field advantage. But I I really hope that New Orleans does not regret that they're not going to rest their starters. If, God forbid, Drew Brees get injured in this game and it wrecks your entire playoff run, or or what if a, a key member of the offensive line or... a a defender or... I mean, I I just would hate to see somebody on the New Orleans Saints get injured this week in a game that they really... Their their fate depends on the Green Bay Packers losing. I don't like those odds. And I I just... I'm really nervous and hesitant that the Saints are not resting their starters. I get why you're not doing it. You do have a shot at the number one seed. But I don't know if it's worth it if someone gets hurt. And I I just keep your eye on that. And now Christian McCaffrey's not playing for Carolina. uh, But I, I just... I, I think this is a risky game, and I, I don't feel good about the Saints not resting their starters. The Carolina Panthers could win this game, and if I'm the Saints man, Taysom Mills is the starting quarterback against Carolina, and I'm not putting Drew Brees out there. I'm not putting any key players on defense or offense out there, but they're going to do it, and I, I really hope nobody on New Orleans' team gets injured on Sunday. Now, the Cardinals and the Rams, the Rams are 9-6, and six, the Cardinals are 8-7. and seven. Arizona needs to win for a chance at the playoffs. They have to go 9-7 and seven to make it in. Now, there's actually a, a weird reality where if the Bears lose the game and the Cardinals win, then actually both the Cardinals and the Rams could get into the playoffs. It's kind of a weird scenario, but that's actually possible. Um, now, the Rams have lost two in a row. Jared Goff has looked very, very bad recently, their starting quarterback. Uh, now, John Wolford's actually playing this week for the Rams. Part of why Jared Goff looked bad is because he's been hurt and injured and uh, he's getting surgery. He's not going to play this week. John Wolford is going to play for the LA Rams this week. You would think then the Cardinals are going to win. They're playing a backup quarterback. John Wolford's not a slouch. I mean, he played very well in the uh, the Alliance of American Football, playing for the Salt Lake Stallions. And I believe that's who he played for. Maybe it's Arizona. I think he actually played for the Arizona Hot Shots, now that I think about it. Uh, he was. He was a Hot Shots player for Arizona. But John Wolford can play. And I not, not that great, but I don't have a lot of confidence in the Arizona Cardinals either. They just lost to the 49ers. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins was kind of a non-factor in that game. had had multiple opportunities downfield that didn't didn't make plays, and I mean the Cardinals got stopped a lot by the 49ers last week in key situations. And the Rams have a good defense, so I, it's it's weird though that I really have no confidence in either team because of their bad performances recently. Uh, a backup quarterback's playing in this game, and one of these teams, maybe both, is going to get into the playoffs. But I don't care. It's it's a weird situation where you know the Cardinals probably win. Uh, they have fewer injuries and it's a meaningful game with playoff implications, but I don't care because really the reality is I don't have confidence, the Rams or the Cardinals. If they get into the playoffs, they're not going to win a Super Bowl. So while it's got playoff ramifications, I I just don't care about this game. I, I, am picking the Cardinals to win, I guess, but I'm not emotionally moved or drawn into this game at all. Not not even in the slightest. The Seahawks and the 49ers, uh, the Seahawks are 11 and four. They're currently the number three seed in the NFC. Uh, mathematically, they still have a shot to get the number one seed in the NFC. Uh, they would need to have New Orleans lose and Green Bay lose and then they need to beat the 49ers and win. I don't like those odds. I don't you're, you're relying on too many other factors that are not in your control. And so I would if I was Seattle, I would rest my starters. They're not doing that, but very similar to New Orleans, God forbid anybody on the Seattle Seahawks starting roster, Gets hurt. I, I would be a starting lineup. Excuse me. If they have anybody get injured, uh, DK Metcalf, Russell Wilson, a key player on the offensive line. I, uh, Chris Carson, like, man, it's scary. So the game makes me uneasy. I, I really don't know who wins. Probably Seattle wins this game against the 49ers, but the 49ers are playing very, very hard, playing good football recently. They're on a third string quarterback and they beat Arizona last week. And uh, I just, I really hope nobody gets hurt for Seattle on Sunday in a game where I think you should arrest your starters and you really should not fight for a number one seed because there are too many factors out of your control in order for that to happen and take place. Jets and Patriots. It's a weirdly interesting game where the Jets are out of playoff contention, the Patriots out of playoff contention. Normally a game like that, I'm like, I don't really care at all. But uh, it feels like the Jets have a legitimate shot to beat the Patriots. The Jets have won two in a row. And I don't feel comfortable picking a winner because the Jets are playing well. The Patriots have not been playing well, and the Patriots are a mess. They need to rebuild this offseason and retool a lot of stuff and make some moves and bring in new players. And so uh, I would not be shocked if the Jets beat the Patriots on Sunday, but we'll see what happens, and I'm really curious and interested in how things go down the road. Now, the final three Week 17 games uh, are kind of meaningless. I, w- I will say briefly, uh, the Raiders and Broncos is interesting because the Raiders are on a really on a skid at the end of the year, And the Broncos, man, Jerry Judy and Drew Locke, rookie receiver Jerry Judy from Alabama, Drew Locke, your young quarterback, they cannot connect. They've been horrible at finding, you know, they've been out of sync and, you know, not on the same page all year. And Jerry Judy had a lot of drops last week. So really, if you're watching Denver's game, I I guess I wasn't going to care because neither team is in playoff contention. However, keep your eye on Drew Locke, keep your eye on Jerry Judy. Uh, Jerry Judy had a really, really awful game last week, dropped a touchdown, dropped a couple passes. Uh, he needs to have a good game to bounce back and finish the year strong. Now, the Vikings-Lions, I don't care. Uh, both teams are eliminated from the playoffs. I don't Matthew Stafford, I don't believe, is playing. He got hurt last week. Uh, and then the Chargers-Chiefs is a game where, watch for Justin Herbert. That'll be fun, I guess. Uh, but the Chiefs are resting all their starters. They already have clinched the number one seed in the AFC. They're resting their starters. So uh, Vikings-Lions, Raiders-Broncos, Chargers-Chiefs are probably the worst games of the week. But I tried to give you... An effective reason why you should watch watch for Justin Herbert, watch for how Drew Locke does, and then um, I, I watch for Justin Jefferson with the Minnesota Vikings. He's a fun rookie receiver who I like to watch. Guys, that's all I have for Week Seventeen. I, I'm really really excited to watch how the week finishes out, and I hope you enjoy watching football this weekend. It's going to be an amazing weekend. Enjoy football on Sunday. I'm going to take a short break. When I return, we'll do some Ask Zach. Uh, going to talk about the biggest surprises from. 2020 and the most unexpected things that happened this year in the NFL. I'm very excited. We'll answer some audience questions when I return in a moment. All right, we are back. Hope we're doing very, very well. Uh, I want to talk about two non-sports related things real quick. Number one, I got a haircut recently. had long hair. I uh, got really tired of dealing with it. I am so happy to have short hair now. Uh, there's lo- no maintenance. It's so nice. And if you're a person like me with long hair and you didn't like it, Hey, take a bold move, cut your hair off. Oh, it feels so great. Number two, uh, I recently watched a movie, uh, Disney Pixar Soul. It's on Disney Plus. Not a sponsor. Clearly nothing like that. Uh, my girlfriend's convinced it's not a kid's movie. My girlfriend has a theory. You know, Liz has a theory that it's a, a movie for adults. And I, she's probably right. It's actually the best movie I've seen in 20. I yeah, saw all in all of 2020. It made me cry uh, multiple times, like a hard, ugly cry. And not because it was like uh, sad or like a parent died or a brother died. Like It just was moving about a guy who had a dream. And kind of the elevator pitch is that it's a, a movie about a guy who gets his big break uh, creatively, and then he dies. And it's like, no, like he's in heaven saying, no, let me go back. I want to I live my life. I want to chase my dream. And I, oh, my gosh, man, waterworks, like crazy. I was crying. I loved it so much, and I cannot recommend enough you go watch Disney Plus. Uh, go watch Disney Pixar's Soul. It's my favorite Pixar movie ever. It's my favorite Disney movie ever. It's, uh, I don't think it's even a kid's movie. I'm, I'm convinced. I, I agree with my girlfriend. It's probably not really a movie aimed at kids It's about death and chasing a dream, and it's beautiful and amazing. Uh, It's now time for Ask Zach, my favorite part of the show. In case you don't know how it works, you go to patreon.com forward slash Zach Schaumler. You give a dollar a month. You can give more if you want to. Please do. It literally helps pay my rent. Uh, But the way it works, a dollar a month gives you access to send in questions on Patreon. Now, I do not guarantee to answer your question on the show. My only guarantee is I look at every single question with my eyeballs. I pick the top couple, try to read them on the show when I can, and I... I really enjoy it. I, I, we got a lot here today, kind of a, a cornucopia of questions, like a bunch of general questions. And then also I, I gave you guys a prompt. I said, hey, send in what you thought were the most unexpected things to happen this year in the NFL. Or really, you know, what surprised you most about the 2020 NFL season and at the first you know, submission of the day for that prompt? Uh, Let me find it. Sterling wrote in, and a lot of people wrote in about this, but I I, I chose Sterling. I think it was the most concise and most interesting kind of way of putting it. He said, I was surprised by the Jets beating the Rams, then the Browns, and now having a good chance to beat the Patriots. Yeah. Crazy, man. The Jets are playing good football recently. I I never, I mean, Sam Darnold looks, I I always liked Sam Darnold. I always thought Sam Darnold really was kind of shining, dimly shining, kind of amazingly, but making some really good plays and nobody was taking notice of it. Uh, But it's just crazy to me that the Jets are playing good football. They look well-coached. They've won two games in a row. Uh, They might beat the Patriots on Sunday, which is like, if that happens, I will be beside myself. It's unbelievable to me the turnaround the Jets have made recently. Now, Sharky writes in saying, I was surprised by Jared Goff. Not for a good reason. (sighs) Yeah. Uh, Jared Goff is, you know, he's plateaued. He's really not made any progress. In a long time. And he's actually looked really bad recently. Now, I, I want to give him some credit where credit's due. Jared Goff got hurt last week. I think he hurt his throwing thumb. And no matter what happens, if you're hurt, you're playing through it. I thought Jared Goff really made an effort to stay in the game and keep playing. And I, I, I respect that. But Jared Goff has made some inexcusable, bad, awful mistakes this year that I, I just am flabbergasted by. And Jared Goff has been surprising because he's been frustratingly bad. For long stretches of this year, and it's just inexcusable. And Ali writes, and Ali says, I was shocked by how bad the Broncos have been this year. A lot of people seem to have thought they could make a run to the wild card round, but it's just another dreadful losing season. What I'm wondering, Zach, is which wild card team do you think is a dark horse to make a run deep into the playoffs? So I think, Ali, do not forget that part of why the Broncos were so bad is they had injury after injury after injury. Uh, it started with Von Miller, then they started, then they got uh, their their uh, top receiver got injured and they had a lot of people in Terry CLs and have all kinds of problems so the Broncos were devastated very similar to the way that the 49ers were devastated by injuries then you had a young quarterback who was learning a new offense with no real offseason and Jerry Judy struggled and I mean Jerry Judy and Drew Locke have not been able to connect or be on the same page at all this year so I don't I'm actually not surprised that the Broncos were bad but that's only because of what happened like yeah, going into the year, you'd never expect the Broncos were terrible. I thought they were going to have a great year. But guys got hurt more and more and more, and COVID hit them, and it's been a really unpredictable wild year for the Broncos. So there's a reason why they've been so bad it's because of injuries and because of COVID. Now, my dark horse wild card team, I said it earlier in the show, is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They have the firepower to win a Super Bowl from the wild card round. They have a legendary quarterback, they have amazing, like amazing offensive weapons Mike Williams or Mike Evans. Chris Godwin. Oh, yeah, Antonio Brown. Rob Gronkowski. like They have players that are coming off their bench that are unbelievable, like starters, Pro Bowl players coming off the bench. And we're forgetting how talented they are on the offensive side of the ball, not to mention their defense is really, really good. And with the right circumstances and the right things going well in a row, the Buccaneers could very easily win a Super Bowl. They have a ton of firepower on offense and on defense. And they're getting hot at the end of the year, playing their best football recently. They look in sync, uh, guys are lining up really well. Uh, they're, they're, they're just their chemistry has been growing all year, and the Broncos might—or sorry—the the Buccaneers might peak at the right time, and they could win a Super Bowl from the wild card berth. Ben Roden said, "I'd say the biggest surprise would be Justin Herbert's growth. You get too much flack for your analysis on him before the draft. There were clear red flags there, however." he's played phenomenally and starting to utilize the potential of his physical abilities then he says other than this I'd say Josh Allen's growth as a player before this season some were people were already calling him a bust well I thought he'd have a jump from year two to three I didn't think it'd be anywhere near as this big of a jump so I actually want to say I I really thought I, I don't remember I, I got we'll do a you know a year of predictions versus reality where I talk about what I say in my predictions episode compared to what really happened for every team I remember believing, I I thought I said that Josh Allen was going to take a big step forward this year. I thought uh, maybe it was Kyler Murray, but I was really, I thought Josh Allen, I, no, I didn't expect him to be maybe an MVP winner. Like Josh Allen's gotten astronomically better, way more accurate, way more confident, reading defenses very well. And uh, part of it's Stephon Diggs, part of it though is just that Josh Allen has really become a very self-aware player, he's very confident in what he's doing, and uh, you know, Justin Herbert, huge surprise to me. I could not have expected Justin Herbert to do as well as he did. I I stand by everything I said about Justin Herbert before the NFL draft. I stand by. Um, Now, it's clear that the problem by analysis was that the the fault should really go on the coaching at Oregon that he had coaching him rather than on Justin Herbert. I think maybe he's a very good academic student. Maybe grades were a distraction for him. And I want to really – this is important. I want you to hear this. I had a theory about Justin Herbert. I said, why has he made the same mistakes from his freshman, sophomore, junior, and now senior year? There were were mistakes and bad habits that never got fixed at Oregon from Justin Herbert. Now, my hypothesis, a theory was, does he love football? Because why are these problems not getting solved? Now, I think it's pretty clear Justin Herbert loves football. But I get a lot of hate from people saying, like, how could you question whether or not he loves football? And I I just was spitballing saying, look— why is this guy's problem's not getting solved? Why are he why is he making the same mistakes year in and year out? Now, with better coaching, I think one of the keys to success with Justin Herbert that nobody's talking about is his quarterback coach Pep Hamilton. Pep Hamilton is a guy who was actually an XFL coach of the DC Defenders. He did a great job there. And uh, I really think that the reason why I hope Anthony Lynn does not get fired by the Chargers. A lot of people want their head coach to get fired. Do not do it because this coaching staff made a lot of progress helping Justin Herbert develop. Don't you dare mess with that chemistry and that progress. And I, I, uh, it's risky to me to fire any of, the, any of the Chargers coaching staff because you don't want to lose the people that helped Justin Herbert become what he's become in the NFL because his habits are better. He's making fewer mistakes. He's more accurate. Like, clearly got great coaching. And that's from Anthony Lynn's coaching staff with the Chargers currently. Aiden wrote in. I love this. This kind of pointing this out. He said, "For the first year ever, there was an NFL game on every day of the week. Nothing to do with football per se, but probably never going to happen again." Yeah, we had Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I don't. It's never going to happen again unless COVID sticks around. I, I don't think it'll be as. I, I, I am praying that by next football season, COVID is not where it is now. Uh, I, but it's, it is truly unbelievable that we got a game on every single day of the week this year, and I don't think it'll ever happen again. So, uh, just a wild, wild time. And I, I gotta say, I don't really like it. I, I, really like this week in the NFL week 17, every single game takes place on Sunday. Oh, I, I don't think it's a Monday. Maybe there's a Monday game. I don't think it was a Monday game. Like I, I gotta say though, I, I hate trying to cover Monday, Tuesday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, then Thursday, and then a Saturday. game. like, it's it's so hard to cover a league that is so spread out. And so uh, I, well, it's a, unexpected and surprising. I gotta say, I, I'm sure people that don't cover football were so happy that pretty much every night they turned on their TV, there was a football game. Oh boy, is it hard to cover sports when they're spread? Like, that's why basketball is so hard to cover because every night there's more games to try to track and follow and keep up with. And oh my gosh, it's so hard. Especially if you don't have a team of people and you're not recording a show uh, with I don't have writers. I don't have people editing for me. I do all the work myself, and it's, oh boy, I, I love my job. It is hard work to try to figure it all out. Caleb writes in, he says, I was really surprised by how the extra seventh seed for the playoffs was a good idea. With so many quality teams this year, I feel satisfied with the quality of playoff teams and the extra reward for the best conference team. Yeah, so the number one seed is even more meaningful this year because you get a bye week, and home field advantage, that, that week off, oh boy, that's a big incentive and a big deal. Uh, I think that's why so many teams, the Seattle Seahawks, the New Orleans Saints, they want that bye week, and that is why they're fighting so, so hard to, you know, to, to play their starters and win their game. Now, I think you could get an artificial bye week by just resting your starters and saying, I'm the three seed, that's fine. But however Seattle and New Orleans wants to do it, go ahead, do it your way. I think that they are, depending on factors they can't control but yeah oh my goodness like part of why there's so much you know division the bad teams are really bad and the good teams are better than ever I feel like this year Uh, now the NFC East part of that is because they're I mean there's only so many wins to go around this year and when I do like NFL predictions I always kind of have more teams in the middle because it's just you would think that wins would be more evenly distributed they're not evenly distributed at all this year there's bad bad and then there's good good and there's There's five, 10-in-five teams right now in the AFC. We could have an 11-win team not make the NFL playoffs. That's crazy to me. So, yeah, I am surprised at how successful the seventh playoff team has been this year, and I'm really excited to see how it plays out this year. Final uh, surprise. Jack writes in, he says, I was surprised at how awful Nick Mullins was this year. Just like you, I thought he was one of the best backups in the league. However, his time as the 49ers starter this year showed an almost digression from his previous starts in recent past years. The 49ers offense looked way better with CJ Beathard as the starter. I know you probably didn't watch a lot of 49ers games this year, but if you'd ever do a deep dive on Nick Mullins 2020 season, you'll see just how poorly he performed. Jack, I actually want to push back. I watched a lot of Nick Mullins this year. Uh, I watched every game. Ex- I missed like one week. Otherwise, I watched every game he played this year. And uh You say, like, Nick Mullins was bad because he – here's the thing. Nick Mullins is a backup quarterback. Nick Mullins should play maximum two to three games a year coming off the bench if your quarterback is hurt or for whatever reason. Uh, Now, not only were there a ton of injuries around Nick Mullins this year in San Francisco and COVID, you know, people missing because of COVID and all kinds of things you could not predict or prepare for, But a guy who really should only ever play two or three games max in a season, Nick Mullins, played in 10 games for the 49ers this year. He should never play that much. I mean, he really—the word exposed is funny, but he should never be doing that much during a season. I still stand by Nick Mullins as a great backup. If you need a guy for a game or two during the season who can know your offense very well and run your system and, for the most part, not miss very much of a beat, That's Nick Mullins. He's a great backup. But again, Nick Mullins wasn't a backup this year. Nick Mullins was a starting quarterback and Nick Mullins isn't a starting quarterback. So uh, I I thought that, you know, because he's not a starting caliber quarterback, he got exposed for what he is. But I'm not shocked. I mean, Nick Mullins should never play 10 games in any season of the NFL. He should play two or three max. And so I want to push back. I think he's still a great backup, but he's a backup, not a starter. He became a starter this year. He should not be a starter in the NFL. We have five other questions that are non, um, non-surprise related. Daniel C. writes in, says, Hey, Zach, is Daniel Jones the frozen pizza of NFL quarterbacks? Dude is okay, does the job well enough, but you just have that feeling you wish you had something better. And if that's the case, what is Patrick Mahomes in that scenario? Hope you enjoyed the holiday season, Dan. I love that. I've always said duct tape quarterback. I was kind of That's like one of my things I use is a duct tape quarterback, meaning they can bridge the gap. I've never... Now I'm gonna add a new one in my vocabulary, the frozen pizza of the NFL. Meaning he's fine, he's just not what you really want. He's just, I, I Dan, thank you for contributing to the podcast. We're gonna, I'm gonna use that forever. Now uh, I would say that Jared Goff is a, a, a frozen pizza quarterback. Meaning like he's he's fine, but that is not your first option. That's not what you want forever, and that's not what you would really truly want. That's Daniel Jones. That's Mitchell Trubisky that is, there's a lot of quarterbacks like that that are just fine, that are not great. And like Teddy Bridgewater, another frozen pizza quarterback. Not what you want, not really what you would pay. You're not paying $30 for a frozen pizza. You're not paying $30 million for Teddy Bridgewater. I love that, Dan. I'm grateful you said that. Now, what's Patrick Mahomes in this scenario? Uh, Think of your favorite meal you've ever had. Think of, you know, one of my favorite things in the food industry, an underrated thing, by the way is the Red Lobster Biscuits. Like, holy... I'm not even gonna say it. I can't say it. I don't want to cuss on the show. Uh, one time, crazy story, I was driving my friend across the country. Uh, she was moving from uh, Washington to New York City, and I, I just helped her. She she actually flew me back from Minnesota. I was helping her drive across the country because that's a long, boring drive by herself, and I drove her u U-Haul from Seattle to Minneapolis, Minnesota. We stopped in Bismarck, North Dakota, and had... Red lobster. Like, what the heck? Red lobster in the middle of the country now? If you think about it, uh, it's closer. I, I, I'm not going to say it. I just was – it's weird. You wouldn't think that Bismarck, North Dakota would have good seafood, and they probably didn't. But the biscuits are the thing I'll never forget. It's the only time I've ever had red lobster. The biscuits were amazing. And uh, my, my anniversary dinner with my girlfriend's coming. We've been together about a year now on uh, the 7th. wisher so wish her, if you want going to say anything to her on – on January 7th, we're gonna go to Red Lobster for dinner because it's just like a, we've never been, she's never been, I've only been once, it'll be a fun thing. So, what is Patrick Mahomes? If Daniel Jones is a frozen pizza, uh, that's really not what you want forever, he's good enough. Patrick Mahomes is the best meal you've ever had, whatever that is, whatever, uh, whatever you think. When you think of the best meal you've ever had, I think of having uh, mashed potatoes and gravy and corn and you, you, and, and sorry, and, and ham, the sweet ham on a plate, and you kind of just mix them up into a bowl. The corn, the mashed potatoes, the ham cut up, and, ah, oh, the gravy. It's so good. That's uh, my best friend's mom makes amazing ham for Thanksgiving. Best meal I've ever had. that That's what – Patrick Mahomes is the best thing you've ever had, and you'll probably be lucky to get it ever again. And anytime you do have it, you should appreciate it. Anytime you watch Patrick Mahomes, just appreciate what you're watching. Be grateful. We, we're, we're blessed to watch this amazing quarterback do amazing things every week, and uh, you should appreciate what he is every week. So, Daniel, let's – I love what he said about Daniel Jones. We're going to use frozen pizza quarterback forever. And Mahomes is the best meal you've ever had in your entire life. And anytime you get that meal again, you better appreciate it. The Pooping Panda has a terrible name. (laughs) The Pooping pooping Panda, terrible name again. He writes in and says, if you played Madden 07, which I did. I love Madden 07. I I mean, when I was a kid, that was the staple. The, The creative team was great. The creative player was so deep. Uh, Franchise mode is amazing. I I remember the only thing it didn't have was Super Sim. It made you actually play defense, and that was a whole can of worms in and of itself. He says, if you played Madden 07, you would know about something called the Tony Bruno Show, where he talks every week about something that happened in the franchise. If Madden wanted to add it back and called you to do it, would you? I know you would probably have to take a lot of time off from your podcast, but it would be very good publicity, and all of your listeners would really enjoy it. Um... I mean, if they pay me millions of dollars, I would. I I mean, they'd have to really overpay me to get me to do it because I don't think it's actually a good opportunity. It's kind of like coaching at Auburn. I don't think coaching at Auburn is a really good opportunity because you're getting kind of set up to fail and it's not really helpful and this and that. And so if I did the Madden radio show, which I don't think they would ever do again because they clearly don't care about franchise mode. I haven't bought Madden since Madden 11, my favorite Madden ever. I played on the PlayStation 3 to this day. Clearly, clearly... Uh, EA does not care about franchise mode. Very frustrating to me. Um, Now, if they wanted me to do the Strong Opinion Sports show where you hear my voice talking during franchise mode, first of all, I think it's kind of dumb. I think it's better just if you want to have a podcast, I think on the new consoles even, you can play a podcast in the background on your console while you play a game that makes way more sense anyway. So if you want to do that, hey, if you're playing franchise mode, play Strong Opinion Sports in your ears. I think that's an amazing idea. Uh, Now, I think that honestly... Forcing my voice into anything without the ability to choose it probably more than anything would just make people hate me. Like I, I think actually it's kind of a trap because if you if you put strong opinion in sports into an EA franchise mode, right, uh, and, and again, you can't opt in. You, you, it's being forced upon you, and you can, I guess, turn it off. But I, I think honestly more than anything, I would probably get more people to hate me than like me. They'd probably be like, his voice is annoying and it's a stupid thing because it's automated. And I just don't have any faith EA could pull it off. And I don't have any faith it would really be good for my brand. So if they want to pay me like $21 million and really, like I'm set for life in that way, if if, everyone, if my show falls apart because of it, then I'm still fine. Then I'd do it because I'd still do strong opinion sports forever, but maybe everyone, I, I don't think it's actually worth the benefit. I think it actually probably more than anything people not like me. I think Tony Bruno is a real person, by the way. I didn't realize that. Uh, I and, and to be, let's, let's also look. I'd never known Tony Bruno was a real broadcaster. If he is, he didn't become famous for Madden. Like Madden didn't really jumpstart his career. I don't think it would work that way for me either. So, I, Pooping Panda, I would avoid the Madden franchise thing at any cost. Now, now, again, pay me twenty-one million. I'm set for life. Buy a property in Hawaii. I can do strong opinion sports from Hawaii. Yeah, absolutely. I would. Money talks, right? So I I do it for the right amount of money, but I wouldn't want to risk my brand uh, for that stupid Madden thing. And also I'd miss a lot of time doing the podcast, so it wouldn't be really effective anyway. Jose writes in and says, Hey Zach, I see a lot of people already saying Tom Brady had a bigger role in the Patriots dynasty uh, than Bill Belichick, but doesn't context matter? The team that Bill is coaching and the team Tom is playing with right now are not comparable. Tom Brady has an amazing cast of weapons and amazing defense on uh, the Buccaneers. Well, Bill Belichick has players that didn't even play this year for COVID and had a quarterback in Cam Newton that played very disappointingly. I am sure if you gave Bill uh, Bill Belichick the Buccaneers team with a top 10 to 15 quarterback, they would be in a similar situation. But that's how I see it. What are your thoughts? Yeah. I mean, I, I think that here's the thing. People want to give credit. People love controversy. They love, you know, saying, this guy or this guy, and everyone wants to say that now, you know, the pendulum is swung. It used to be that Brady only won because of a Belichick. Now people are saying that Belichick only won because of Tom Brady. They're both wrong. The reason why Belichick and Tom Brady won was because of both of them. Like they collaborated, they both were responsible for the dynasty they built in New England. You can't give one guy credit, but not the other guy credit. They both pulled their own weight. And I. I hate this culture of people saying like, well, Bill was mo- more important, or why do we have to say one guy was more important than the other? Hey, the most important part of every football team are coaching and quarterback, period. There's not one guy more than the other. Okay? Belichick had this crazy, tough, rigid, hard to follow culture, and Tom Brady was his enforcer. Tom Brady was the guy who was the model citizen who said, Belichick is right and enforced that philosophy and enforced that culture. And so they worked together. You can't give one guy more credit than the other. They needed each other to win those Super Bowls. And there's no guy who's more or less capable, uh, more or less um, deserving of praise or recognition or, uh, what's the word here you said, Um, you know uh, had a bigger role than the other. They both had a huge role, and they couldn't have worked without the other person. So I, I don't think it makes any sense to give one guy more credit than the other for the Patriots dynasty. I know you're not doing that, Jose, but yeah, anybody who's saying it's Tom or Bill, both people are wrong. Uh, Menko writes in. So this is a fun one. I, I meant to read this on Christmas. I actually accidentally left it out of the show. I felt really bad. So Menko writes in. He says, it's a long one, says, it's hi, Zach, it's Christmas Day and you have one small present left to open. It's a secret letter addressed to you. The letters from the NFL commissioner informing you that just like a WWE, the NFL is fixed. And just for entertainment, you are the only person outside of the team owners and commissioner to know this. The NFL offers you the chance to do your shows as you do it, but now gives you TV airtime as the sole NFL Network media show. Would you take the opportunity? Would you reveal the big secret? Or more importantly, if the NFL is rigged for entertainment, would you still watch it or cover it? Oh, man. Uh, Menko, if that happened... I think I'd have to take the money immediately, right? So I'd have to – I couldn't say no to it at first. I'd have to start by, okay, I'll take your money. I'll do your thing. But I, I would lose interest very quickly in what I was doing, and I'd be happy for the money. But I, I'd i be heartbroken to find out that this thing I love, football, is rigged. It wasn't rigged when I played high school or college football. I don't think the NFL is rigged. I mean it's, it's, it's preposterous anybody says that. Uh, you know, you could argue that there are certain teams that get certain calls in, in their favor. Like that's, I, I fair enough. You want to do that? Uh, probably that does happen very well. It could happen. Um, but if the NFL was the WWE, I would be heartbroken. I'd be disinterested. I could only pretend for so long before I said, I got to go cover movies or video games or something else that pulls my interest because it would very quickly, the magic would be gone and I would lose interest. So, uh, if that ever happened? I I would do it for a little bit, probably, because like the money would be good and I'd the opportunity would be pretty cool. But I think I'd burn out on it almost immediately because I would have nothing. My passion would be sucked away from me uh, for the NFL and for football. Last one of the day. Brock writes in. I, I should have said, this is really the long one. It's a it's a very one two three four five six blocks of writing. So buckle in, prepare yourself. If you leave during this segment, no problem. I love you. I don't really even have an answer to what Brock is proposing, but Brock writes in with a long, wordy um, write-up. And I I just want to put it out there for food for thought because I think it's a fun, interesting theory. Brock says, hello, Zach. This is going to be a little wordy as I'm a lawyer, so I'm a firm believer in being thorough. So hang in there with me. I promise it's a good question. Is it a question? It feels like an opinion. Uh, It says, let me lay the foundation to get to my question. So I'm a really big Patriots fan, and this year has been a nightmare has been the nightmare. I knew it would be. I personally believe for a long time that Brady is underrated. Yes, underrated, even considering he's widely known as the goat. I think this because of what we're seeing this season. We're taking a, a former Heisman winner and an NFL MVP and asking him to run this team. I think seeing what has happened for to him this year shows what Brady dealt with for 20 years. Sure, there are a few pieces here and there, but regardless, Bill knew what he had got himself into this year. So we're getting to my question. Do you think the Patriots should move forward with Cam Newton? Here's what I like that Brock included. He said, I have thought of a few things we could do as a team to keep the team competitive with only a small dip in performance. Uh, better be because you guys are bad. Now, there are two ways I see this happening. We need a wide receiver to mentor Nikhil Harry. I don't think Harry is a bad wide receiver. I simply think he hasn't had the mentoring he needs. The only half-decent wide receiver we had since he got drafted is Julian Edelman. The problem is Nikhil, Harry, and Edelman are nothing alike. They, have, they do have completely different play styles. So I see a few ways of doing this. We rebuild by taking someone like Justin Fields or Zach Wilson, someone with good fundamentals. let him sit behind Cam Newton for a year. Or we still draft Fields or Wilson, but try to make a play on Matthew Stafford to sit behind one of them for a year. To solve a wide receiver problem, we could make a play in Odell Beckham Jr. while he's out with his ACL injury and the Browns are weirdly looking better without him. So then we have an Odell to mentor Harry while Cam or Stafford mentors Justin Fields or Zach Wilson. What are your thoughts? Is this realistic or possible? And finally, do you think this is a would get us out of the rebuild we're diving towards? Thank you, Zach. Love this show. Brock, thank you so much. Uh, Interesting thought. Nikhil Harry needs a mentor, probably. Uh, Do you get Cam Newton keep him as a mentor for Justin Fields I like that idea too they have actually similar play style um I not it's or even even Trey Lance maybe I think Trey Lance is a guy who people love his measurables I think Trey Lance has a lot of problems on film but with a year to sit and time to learn that could work um it's certainly not a terrible idea to say let's keep Cam and get a quarterback a young guy that Cam can mentor maybe Jamie Newman from uh Wake Forest, Georgia via Wake Forest, uh, who opted out this year. I don't know. I don't have the answer. I don't know what the Patriots are going to do at quarterback. I'm not even going to speculate. I I just wanted to read that question, put it out there for food for thought. And, uh, guys, I love you so much. I appreciate you. That's all I have for today. Hope you have a great day. Enjoy. It's New Year's Day. Uh, Georgia-Cincinnati play. Notre Dame-Alabama plays later. Ohio State and Clemson play. It's going to be an amazing day of football. We'll talk about it all tomorrow on Saturday. Uh, I'm literally next episode, three things. That's it. We'll talk about those three games. And uh, I love you. I appreciate you. But i bum bam. We are done.